Hey, Deb. Hi, Kendall. <laughs> we are, this is a special show. It's a very special show. We are on location in Asheville, North Carolina. High five on location. All right. <laughs> We've never been on location. Didn't think about it till just now. This is Kendall and Debbie on the road. <laughs> Spiritual Charlotte on the road. It is. We're in Asheville. We're in West Asheville. And we have come here um, to interview Rama Carr, who is just wonderful. I can't wait to have the conversation. Episode 34, we're going to be talking about um, Kundalini. We're going to be talking about um, Taoist uh, herbal uh, stone medicine. medicine. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about um, a whole bunch of stuff that I'll introduce whenever we kind of get Rama in the conversation. Yeah. So um, we had the pleasure today of going to a kundalini yoga class that she offered at West Asheville Yoga. Mm -hmm. There was gong sound healing, there was breath work, there was dance, there was um, chanting and mantra. It was a beautiful experience. It was nothing like anything I had expected. Yeah. And, you know, when we left the class, I was saying one of the beautiful things about it being a yoga teacher, trying this for the first time, was that the breath took us to our edge. Mm-hmm. The breath t- took us to the edges. Um, the gong shavasana, I was I was in the cosmos. I was way gone, and I want that like every day. So <laughs> it's one, I think the kundalini yoga with Rama Kaur is something that you don't want to hoard, but I was feeling I wanted to hoard it. <laughs> so, so, just putting that out there. But let, let me, let's, let's talk about um, what we're going to be up to today and um, a little bit about Rama. So I met Rama on retreat in Asheville. Mm-hmm. Um, How many months ago? I don't know. Four, six, not sure. Yeah. And, um, and, and this is funny. This is a funny part of the story. When, when Debbie asked me, well, how do you, how do you know her? And I said, well, I was at this retreat, and I actually said something really awkward to her, <laughs> which, which I'll, I'll ask Rama in a minute if she remembers. But, you know, she came up beside me. We're in a room full of people. We've been at this retreat. We're waiting to get in the doors to the main part of it. And I said something to the effect of, hey, I just want to sit down. <laughs> she was like... Um, I'm pretty sure you're going to get to a second. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. And so then I thought, well, that was weird. That's not even something I would normally say. So it was beautiful that um, she actually wanted to talk to me after that. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, Rama has a, um, a company that um, you can learn more about at ramacar.com. And we're actually going to talk about, you know, make sure everybody knows where to go at the end of the show. Yeah, we'll spell it out for you. We'll spell it out for you. Um, but she really comes, you know, she's been a gypsy her whole life. She's moved, I think, before she was 20. She lived in 20 different places. Um, and I think that that path has just opened her to a world of things. Kundalini um, technology, which we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. that includes mm-hmm. yoga meditation and gong sound healing mm-hmm. um and i'm very curious about the taoist the taoist Dao, stone medicine yes that's kind of hard for me to say <laughs> yeah we're going to be talking about her work in astrology and how she ties all that in um and 
she also has an amazing retreat coming up um, called Falling in Love with Gaia. Um, that website is fallinginlovewithgaia.com, mm -hmm. but we'll talk more about that. She's taking a group of women to Glastonbury and uh, calling it a divine feminine pilgrimage to the heart of the earth. So, and that's happening um, shortly, August 7th. It's coming up really quickly, and hopefully she'll share with us the importance of why Glastonbury. Yes. Why that is such a special place. So, before we bring her in, I just need to set the space for you guys who are tuning in from all the random places in which our listeners tune in. Uh, I'd like to look back at that and find out where everybody is these days. But um, Asheville is a weird, energetic vortex of healing, of progressive um, shaman uh, wildness. I don't even know how to say it another way. And we're in a space um, where Rama sees clients that, that is like a living altar. Um, there are stones, there are oils, there are gems, there are um, tributes to the goddess, there are statues that she's, um, artwork that she's done over the years. Um, there, there's like a library that, that um, obviously has, she's soaked into her brain and she's going to give us the tiniest piece of it today. And it's just like, it's it's totally Asheville, but it's also totally Rama. <laughs> so, everybody needs to get here quick. All right. So without further ado, let me bring Rama into the conversation. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you so much. It's an honor to have you both here, and so sweet and fun to have you in my space as well. Well, we appreciate you welcoming us in, yeah. and um, we are just have been really excited about being able to have this opportunity to sit with you. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited too. As um, as a Gemini with my Mercury and Cancer in my tenth house, I don't know. Like podcasts are just, I love, love, love podcasts. They're easy to love. They're get, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you get to have a voice and be with people in this way. It's yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so. Let me just kind of ask you, when we, when you and I first talked, we had, I think we were on the phone for like two hours. And we yeah, were... <laughs> that's right. It was a while. It was on a new moon, too. Was it the, I think it was the Taurus new moon. I don't know. I, I You would know. I do. <laughs> <laughs> she says it was the Taurus new moon. It, it was, was the Taurus moon. <laughs> I just remember that as the conversation unfolded, it was like, me too. Oh, my God. Are you serious, you too? Oh, what? You study that? I need to know more. Uh, you know, and it just kept rolling. Um, but there's a lot of things that Rama offers that are not, we don't see a lot of in our area in Charlotte and Lake Norman, which I think she'll probably have some stuff to say about that because she's like, you guys need the juju down there. <laughs> um, but she just talked about being so passionate about merging the, the traditions and lineages of Kundalini technology and this um, stem medicine, the astrology, and that when we set the rhythm of our psyches, our bodies follow suit. And so um, let's just start this conversation. Tell us what this work is about that you're doing. Like, you pick a starting point. Because our readers just don't know. Yeah. Well... We don't have readers. We have listeners, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got you. Um, it's just... It's, it's all so vast, and yet it, it's also all so simple. 
And um, I, I would say out of these three main technologies that I work with, it was astrology that I really became introduced to first. Um, and probably like you all, I kind of grew up where everything was still so very compartmentalized. It was like, this is this and that is that. And, and um, one of the things because of who I am, having moved so much in my life and having gone to a college where there were no grades, no tests, no major, um, and, and even when I was in college preparing my body of artwork, um, I've always been interested in the intersection of di- different things. So like in school, in college, I was an artist, but I wasn't a painter. I wasn't a sculptor. I didn't just draw. I did it all. I painted and I made clay sculptures and I did digital art. I just, I, and I really wanted to understand like what happens when you do it all and you're interested in how they all come together. So as I've developed over the years and really become more passionate about stones and stone medicine and about kundalini yoga and about astrology, um, I've been wanting to figure out a way to share how they're actually all feeding into one another, how they're not different modalities, how they all intersect and how... um, my understanding of astrology deeply informs my kundalini yoga practice just as much as when I'm uh, working with different ceremonies my information uh, my knowledge of Taoist stone medicine informs what kind of stones I'm going to use and when and why and where so that that's kind of like a broader answer to a topic that I'm imagining you probably have a more specific question. Yeah, I mean that paints the big the big picture for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the starting points might be to help our listeners understand because we don't want to compartmentalize it and leave it there. Yeah, but it's an interesting breakdown. Like, what is how is what is Kundalini yoga? Yeah. Well. Kundalini yoga, it's more than just yoga. So it's more than just a physical practice. And um, really, it's about moving the physical body. It's about meditation. It's about sound current, mantra, also what we call nod, which is like the sacred sound science, which is chanting. And you all experienced a little bit of that today when we were chanting sa, ta, na, ma. Um, Gong sound healing is an integral part of Kundalini yoga as well, and really, it's it's this when you put all of those aspects together, and there's other aspects too. I mean, there's a form of bhakti of devotion within Kundalini yoga. There's a form of seva of service, and um, yogic living, like this concept of taking cold showers or combing your hair. Just there's so many little you know. Um, bits and pieces of what make up the technology but when we put it all together we've got this beautiful technology that was brought to us by Yogi Bhajan from the east Um, he lived in India then Um, now it's modern day Pakistan but it was northern India 
and um, he came to the West. He first came to Canada and then down to the United States in 1969, and he really came with the mission of sharing this technology for the Western world, particularly Western women. Like he was actually a pretty hardcore feminist that um, kind of slides under the radar because when someone's looking from the outside and they see this like Indian man, you know, teaching, like we can find, I could pull up videos from you on, on YouTube, you know, they can get kind of turned off because they don't really realize that there's so many layers to this yoga and really he came with this mission in mind to awaken women, to give them tools so that they could just understand that how sovereign and strong we are and how powerful we are as women and that when we are in our power, when we're in our center, everything just sort of orbits around us Mm -hmm. and everything we need, we magnetize, we attract. However, if we're not setting the rhythm, if we're not setting um, the rhythm of our glandular system, of our breath, of our blood, every single day, we get off balance And then that's the current we set outside Mm. in the cosmos. And so then that's what we attract. Mm -hmm. So that's why I love this yoga so much for these times because it's simple. And you can have a practice that's three minutes a day. I mean, I don't, I recommend more than three minutes a day, but it can be something really doable and attainable. Even for someone lying in a hospital bed, they can listen to the mantra, to the sound current, and that can uplift them. So it's this beautiful system that we have. And, and when Yogi Bhajan brought it and he, he was sharing it here in the West, he, he said, you know, this ancient science, it's over 6,000 years old, but it's really for what we call the Aquarian Age, which the Aquarian Age is the times we live in now. And it, the, the actual date has been um, debated but some people say it, it, we entered the Aquarian Age on November 11th, 2011, so right before 2012. And now that we're fully in it, I mean, I think everyone, you know, I think you two would agree, I think all of your listeners would agree that um, time and space are speeding up. Like, we never have enough time, and there's so much to do, you know, and there's so much to keep up with, and the world is just evolving so quickly. And so a technology like kundalini yoga helps us stay grounded within all of those shifts and helps our our mind stay really clear and focused so that we can just do what we need to and the rest of it can just fall away. Mm -hmm. I I love the conversation about balance. If if woman can be in balance with herself and with Mm -hmm. her own divine nature, then that informs everything around her, not only what she's putting out there and, and receiving, receiving back, but if woman is in balance, then that helps balance the male-female polarities. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's actually, it's something that some women don't want to hear because there's a whole the, the teaching around this where Yogi Bhajan taught that as a woman, when we're in a relationship, I mean, particularly like male-female relationship. But even if it's same-sex relationship, there's always someone who takes more of the divine feminine presence, someone who takes more of the divine Mm -hmm. masculine. Mm -hmm. So I'm speaking in those terms of who is holding that feminine space. Mm -hmm. But when we hold that feminine space, we're really powerful and our, 
um, our moods, how we feel affects the entire house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if we can, you know, as women, um, there, there's actually this whole thing around like how men have to learn how to kiss the hag. But like as women, you know, we kind of all have that hag archetype within that crone of like just leave me can I curse on this yes you can curse just leave me the fuck alone you know what I mean but there's this whole like thing where it's like you have to kiss the hag and and that's that part of the woman that um you know is is just nagging 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 but with the practice like kundalini yoga um one of the ideas is that we are more in our center and that that aspect of ourself doesn't come out so much, you know, and that um, as we're happy and we radiate that, then our household and whoever's in the household just follows suit. You know, they're looking for the woman to set the rhythm, the cadence of the home. I think that's really beautiful mm-hmm. because it, mm-hmm. it speaks to the really deep, well of power that's inside a woman Mm -hmm. that she could have that much power over like you said the rhythm and the energy Mm -hmm. around her and for I I think I've been witness to this in my own life when life is when I'm not on my following my highest path Mm -hmm. making destructive choices that destruction can spread out that rhythm can spread out really fast yeah like a wildfire yeah wildfire (laughs) and then you have a whole bunch of crap orbiting around you yeah Mm -hmm. Um, because you set that up. Um, so why, so I do have more questions about um, Yogi Bhajan. I mean, did he specifically, in his languaging, I mean, he was addressing the Western woman? Yeah, specifically. He was. So um, he, he started teaching in 1969 in the United States, and um, he died in 2004. But for, I... I think it was until about 1996, every summer would be this women's camp. And so every summer, um, kundalini yogis from all over the world gather in New Mexico in the desert. There's this land that he purchased that is still um, owned by the organizations that he left behind as part of his legacy. And so every summer, um, yogis gather all over the world to go meditate in the high New Mexican desert and it's just amazing and um, I I just love it so much and so after this summer solstice gathering there's a women's camp and nowadays it's one week long but when he was back in like the heyday of his teachings it was eight weeks long wow, wow. and so there was a children's camp too a kids camp so the women and their children would go and go for the summer And granted, a lot of these members were really into this community. So a lot of them were Sikhs or they were like, they had really committed to this. Um, So it's a a little different from how it is today. But people would commit, you know, and they would show up. And so most of the teachings we have that he delivered were given at those women's camps. And they're really for women. Wow. And so men... We're like, where's our men's camp? Where's our men's camp? And eventually one year he did do a men's camp. I think it was for two weeks and it was one time. But he also taught from um, Los Angeles and, you know, he would teach regular classes that anyone could come to. Um, So his teachings weren't just for women, but those women's camps were really special. 
And one of his greatest teachings is, is he told women, because this was like the 1970s, and he told women, I'm going, you know, I want you to understand that um, you are not the chick, that you need to rise like the eagle. Because mm. women were always called chicks then, mm-hmm. you know, and they would refer to themselves as chicks. So, yeah, the, these teachings are really special, and um, there's a lot of layers to them. And many of them are really, truly given for women. He sounds like an, like a, an incarnate of, of, of divine feminine. I mean, is he thought of that way as being very... Um, I don't know. I would say, you know, maybe by some people. I feel him as really, like, neutral, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, really carrying both. Yeah both energies yes sounds mm-hmm. like as you're talking I'm staring at his picture mm-hmm. and I'm like okay now I have to read a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so kundalini yoga as you've explained it um generally anybody talking about kundalini yoga would pro- would you would they say something similar to what you've how you've explained it or is that or is everybody have does it start getting really specific down different set Sexed. Mm-hmm. I can never can say that word. Yeah, they're different. Yeah, different lineages that teach mm-hmm. it differently, or is it all come from the same place? Well, yeah, it all comes from one source, but you know there are there's um, there's kind of like a pod of the people who are still alive who were his original students. Many of them are still alive, and so they're like the senior teachers, and. Um, I would say everyone has a bit of a different flavor of who he was. So depending on who your senior teachers are, you get a different um, you get a different storyline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I would say many of them definitely weave together and, and they're very much some of the same stories you hear for sure. But you also will hear variations. What sent you down the path to, to choose Kundalini Yoga? That's such a great question. Um, my mom was taking Kundalini yoga. We used to live um, for two years of my life. We lived in Eastern North Carolina when I was in early high school, and um, my parents were about to separate. And my dad was kind of at the end of his military career, and my mom was at a place of she had lost her brother to AIDS a few years prior and that really like shook everything up for her because it was her baby brother and they were really close and um also he started visiting us his spirit started visiting us when I was 10 and so in addition to the loss and the grief there was also this awakening of the spirit world and how it's just right there all the time so, um, anyways, fast forward to early high school. My mom was, honestly, she was going through a lot at the loss of her marriage and where it was and how she was not happy with it. And so she, Kundalini Yoga was one of her modalities of getting through those times. And she took me to my first class when I was 15, and I absolutely loved it. It was also really intense. It was really weird. Um, like how? <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> I mean, I just remember, like, you know, we chanted, we did all the things, and 
Um, it was just new. It was new. Yeah. I, it was my first yoga class ever. Mm-hmm. And I had a whole total like kundalini awakening. Um, and then we didn't go back because we, we moved to Tampa a couple of months later. And it just, my mom kind of went down another path and it wasn't a part of her daily life. And I was really focused on school and getting to college And when I was in college, we had yoga as an option, and I took the yoga there. It was Kripalu. It was a Hatha-based yoga, which I went on to study um, when I was in my mid-20s. I went to Kripalu, and I got my first yoga certification there. Mm -hmm. And it was the night before I graduated. So I did the intensive. It's like a month-long intensive. You go live there for a month, and you eat the most delicious salad bar. Like, they have... Have either of you ever been there? No, that's on our list. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's like retreats at Kerpalu are dangerous because you just, it's a buffet. And it's like they've got a macro bar. They've got a salad bar. They have soups. They have all these amazing, they have a hot bar. They have. What, like all day long? Well, they're time windows. But like, it's really good. good. And you will eat more than you should. And our yoga teachers would be like, remember, your stomach is the size of two fists. And you'd like go down there for lunch and you'd be like, okay, I only need to eat two fists worth, but there'd be so many options. <laughs> it was hard, you know, yeah. um, but so delicious. So I was there and it was a month long intensive. It was the final um, night before our graduation ceremony, which was at like 6 a.m. the next morning. And it was our first night off. We could go do whatever we wanted. And so um, Krishna Kar, who's a well-known kundalini yoga instructor was doing a weekend workshop there and I had the ability to go take a segment of it and I got in the room and the moment like I sat down we tuned in which you all did with me today and just immediately I wanted to weep because it was this recognition of like this is my yoga like I've arrived and then I was like oh shit, like I just spent all this money and time and I'm about to graduate with this lineage that I appreciated, but it's not mine. And I'm like, how am I going to, you know. But it got you to Kripalu to take that class. Exactly. You know, and so, and then from there, I was moving to Los Angeles, like just a couple of weeks later. And so LA is one of the hubs in the world of Kundalini Yoga because Yogi Bhajan lived there for so many years. And really a lot of his legacy is well and alive there. And so I had the advantage of, living in the neighborhood that he lived in, mm-hmm. um, living right around the corner from the ashram he started. And it was like, that was my neighborhood. And that was the area my daughter was born. And yeah, so it, it, it's just been, I mean, from that moment onward, it's been such a foundation of my mm-hmm. life. And I can't imagine my life without it. Yeah. Yeah, if you're fortunate in your life, you you meet or yes. remember or reunite or reconvene mm-hmm. with that that purposeful thing that you Absolutely. came here to do and to be and to share, right? Yeah, it's a blessing. Yeah. That's right. You mm-hmm. you said if you're fortunate, and it's so true, mm-hmm. because it really is a blessing to have that soul recognition. Yeah, kind of puts your your whole soul, your whole body, your whole everything, just kind of at ease. It's just kind of this. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is why I'm here. <laughs> this is what I've been looking for, even if I didn't know I was looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like that feeling. And 
And I think most of us, once we have have that, will do whatever we have to do not to lose it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. the commitment to it. Tell us about. We hear the term Kundalini awakening. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? Well, I was speaking to something really specific, but it can mean a lot of different things mm-hmm. for different people. You know, it, it can be um, a lot of different energies in the body, like sensations, mm-hmm. feeling uncomfortable, feeling really awakened, like feeling really electrical. Um, some people, depending upon their abilities, like depending upon what sense is stronger, that sense will become more stronger, you know. So some are visual and can like see auras around or energy around people and the Kundalini awakening might amp that up or turn that on for someone. Um, it could it heightens a sense, whatever it is. But for me personally in that moment, I had a cleansing, I had a purification. So um, I don't know how explicit you want me to be, but it was pretty intense. Um, <laughs> now I'm like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Well, I was just, I was 15, so I had my learner's permit, and I wanted to drive as much as I could because my mom had a stick shift, and it took me a while to get started on the stick shift. We realized in retrospect it was because I was starting in third gear for like six months or something. I would be like, why am I always stalling? Because my mom had this um, old school Volvo, and it was just really hard to crank it over into first gear. Like, uh, yeah, they don't even really make stick shifts anymore. It's kind of sad. I love driving a stick. Um, But yeah, I was driving us home, and I just was like, I I felt this need. Like, I was going to have this intense bowel movement. And I was like, I don't know what to do because we're on the side of the road and I had to drive and we worked it out my mom ended up getting us home and I was fine but it it really was for me it was like a kundalini awakening because it was like those lower chakras Mm -hmm. got blown wide open Mm -hmm. and I had so much purification after that and um I mean that was when I was 15 so since then I've had I would say the layers continue to unpeel. Mm -hmm. Never anything on such a visceral level like that. But Mm -hmm. I've definitely... it. You go through it in Kundalini Yoga. It's a journey. You really go through it. And and like I was telling you all, I mean, sometimes people come to class and they cry. Or, you know, or sometimes... Sometimes you walk out feeling so amazingly open and elated. And it really shifts. But it's, it's... this process of really just coming home to your soul more and more. Mm-hmm. I'm glad mm-hmm. you actually brought that up because, you know, some of the work that Debbie and I have done, we've gone through periods in our own lives where, same thing, the stomach, the body was flushing. Yeah. And and, it, and there was almost no control. And sometimes, yeah. <laughs> it would be, sometimes it would be right after a especially intense um, energetic, experience and mm-hmm. the body has to let go yeah so it's gonna let go in the normal ways it lets go and it can be powerful and mm-hmm. but it's like when we took your class today I think what was so appealing about Kundalini um, that like the experience today is that the journey of it you know seeing okay oh now we're doing this fire breath this fire breath and that's causing extreme emotion in me what what mm-hmm. is that 
okay, so, and then that moment passes, and then you're on another moment, okay, now I'm feeling lightheaded and I'm nauseous, okay, what is that? Okay, now you're at another moment where you've completely let go of something um, in a different way, or now you need to take a rest, you know, you're not sure if you can get through this breath, and it's such a, it, it's not like this monotone experience, yeah. it's like there's <laughs> real energy mm-hmm. uh, shifting and cleansing, and yeah. I don't know how you want to speak to that, but mm-hmm. what would you add to that? I just, I think what impacted me the most was the vibrationality of mm-hmm. the practice. I wasn't expecting that. And all the different levels, through the sound, through the visceral, you know, feeling it in the body, whether it was the toning out, what that felt like energetically, mm-hmm. vibrationally leaving the body, what it felt like hearing it around you from other people and and really tuning into your own experience with your eyes closed pretty much for the entire practice unless Mm -hmm. you just kind of needed to see where you were in the room to make sure you weren't like in somebody else's (laughs) space especially when we were dancing it's kind of like you know arms are flying but but yes you know closing the eyes and really tuning into your Mm -hmm. own experience and listening to your own body and honoring what your body what your body needs to do yeah yeah. yeah, and and we do keep our eyes closed from so much of the practice because when our eyes are closed and we roll them up and in, it actually puts a pressure on what we call the pituitary gland. So this is all very this is one of the reasons why I refer to Kundalini yoga as a technology because it's very systematic and when we put that pressure on the pituitary gland, that encourages the pituitary gland, the master gland of the endocrine system to secrete and as it secretes it helps us gain clarity of mind it helps us become more creative and it helps us tap into our intuitive wisdom because as humans it's really our birthright to be intuitive every single human being Mm -hmm. is intuitive whether they know it or not Mm -hmm. they are we are I mean it is what living in this world and having these bodies is about but we have so forgotten that and our current culture also kind of, you know, it doesn't promote mm-hmm. intuition. It promotes shopping and buying and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So we have, we're in a place of reclaiming these powers that are right there available. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so a simple thing like rolling the eyes up and in when you're breathing and you're doing this work, whether it's cat-cow or breathing um, in a specific breath pattern or, you know, you had the hitting of the hands and the clapping, all of that is awakening these layers of the body. We look at the, the body as a 10-body system. We're working with these chakras, the glandular system. So it's just amazing. I just love the whole thing. And then there's something you were saying before that about... I just didn't want to, I wanted to grab that train of thought. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Vibrational. Just feeling the journey or... of it, the nausea, and then going to the um, oh, tears. And... Yes. Mm-hmm. So the thing about Kundalini Yoga is that um, these teachings, they're, they're very Saturn and they're very Plutonic. So they invoke these realms of the archetypes of Saturn and Pluto, um, these you know planets that are really great teachers. 
And Pluto is all about the depths and transformation and death and rebirth. And Saturn is about learning our lessons and, and really, mm-hmm. um, you know, owning them and mm-hmm. self-respect and self-mastery. Mm-hmm. And also being aware of the laws of the multiverse of time and space. So Kundalini yoga really pulls in those teachings. Mm -hmm. And I I think that that's why we go through so much in the practice and why it is a journey. And I think it's also why some people come to the practice and they're like, whoa, Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. Like, I think Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go to that, like, you know, yin yoga that, that meets at 6 p.m. because that was like a little too much for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. not everyone is ready to do this yeah. deep work. Yeah. No, yeah. If they're just looking for a body experience. Yeah. That's just like putting your body into different positions. Right. Then that's not what this is. It's not. Yeah. But we have that too. Mm-hmm. And we can do that. And there are some Kundalini teachers that really teach that way mm-hmm. because, like, everything there's a there's so many flavors within this mm-hmm. technology and and for me personally I really gravitate towards the depths and the transformational work um, I have Pluto in my first house so it's just it's like hello like you meet me and this is like what you see is what you get it's part of the mm-hmm. experience with mm-hmm. um, what I'm passionate about and and so I I think that when I am teaching, that is something that gets channeled through me so much because it's, you know, I'm open to that and I'm comfortable with those realms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would say, like, today, um, you know, having been in yoga community for a long time, I really appreciated, uh, and I'll use the word again because this is how I feel it, is that kundalini takes you, does take you to the edges, Mm-hmm. It takes you to the edge, whether it's with the sound experience of it or the muscle that it seems like you're having to open and work with your breath mm-hmm. or um, the patterns lasting as long as they do. Yeah. I don't know if that's typical, but it's like you can't escape it. You yeah. have to stay with it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which it seems silly that you're not in a like, especially uh, difficult pose but maybe you're in a breathing pattern mm-hmm. that is difficult and your and your stuff will come up. Yeah. Just like in any yoga, yoga right? Yeah. Um so and I what I also really love is that you're putting a lot of language around it that brings it into the body. So whenever you start talking about why we're doing this is because the pituitary gland is going to do this. Mm-hmm. That's so grounding for a, per, a person who is going on some type of energetic journey with this and not quite sure what's happening, or maybe they are, maybe they are very familiar, but they're also with, okay, there's an actual chemical, physiological, energetic mm-hmm. thing happening, and that's making sense. Yeah. Yeah, I feel really passionate about taking it back into the body for people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I've learned to do over the years because I am so, I love the energy and I want to go out there into the cosmos. And I witnessed over the years that we're not all like that and not mm-hmm. everyone's comfortable and they need to understand like what happens and why are we doing this? And so it's something that when I'm teaching, I really want people to feel safe it's one of my um, foundational intentions in working with people is that they feel safe, that they feel respected, 
and that they know they can trust me, you know, that when they come to my class, they are held, mm-hmm. you know, and because um, you honestly can't get that everywhere. <laughs> No, you know, no. can't get it in most places. And I, I just, I yeah. want to create that and 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 hold that for people because, um, because the work that we are doing is so transformational. You need to be safe, and if you're not, um, it can be dangerous. You know, I mean, yes. let's be honest, it can. Yeah. If you're working with energetic bodies and you're not protected. But that's also another reason why I love this technology so much is it has a built-in safety mechanism that that chant that we we chanted after we tuned in, the Ad Gede Name, Jagad Gede Name, Sat Gede Name, Siri Gurudev E Name, that is a prayer of protection. So it literally creates a space for the room that we are protected. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel that's really important. I do too. Yeah. Yeah, because you can get in workshop with people who maybe they've taught themselves how to do something or they haven't fully gone through an in-depth program, and those can be loose ends, and you can yeah. walk away feeling those loose ends <laughs> yeah. if you are somebody that has, um, for example, I don't typically feel all that safe out in the world. That's mm-hmm. something I struggle with. To know that there's something set in place, and you've also said in very simple words, you're safe in this room. It's, some of those things are just, they go a long way. Yeah. A really long way. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Que- one question before we move on to kind of like trying to weave this thread into the Dallas Stone Medicine. Mm-hmm. Tell us what the heck you think is up with Charlotte Metro Kundalini <laughs> with our area. Tell me what you think is happening Kundalini-wise in the area where we're based versus maybe Asheville, or what are your thoughts about that? Well, from what I understand, you there's not really much going on Kundalini-wise in Charlotte, yes? I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because I honestly, um, I have women who come from Charlotte to some of my events. I have a monthly New Moon Women's Circle out of my house, and I just did this full moon women's camp out in the Pisgah Forest, and... Um, I, I'm meeting more and more women from Charlotte because they're like, I want this in my community. Um, you know, I, I would say on an energetic level, Charlotte, it's, it's very different. I mean, we're here in the mountains. We're only two and a half hours away, but these mountains have stones that are over 450 million years old. And Charlotte has been this hub of, like, banking and very much the mm-hmm. patriarchal systems, <laughs> yes. you know, yes. whereas like Asheville, you look into the history of Asheville for a long time, it's, it's been a place to go for retreat and healing and health mm-hmm. and wellness. Mm-hmm. And, um, even in, in the seventies had a reputation for, um, spirituality mm-hmm. before many other places did. So also this is all just my own personal, like, uh, intuition is I really see Asheville um, as we continue to evolve on the planet I see Asheville as a future um, really important city for our world as a future city of kind of like the divine feminine consciousness rising we're not there yet 
because we were on a path. We were on a good path. We were known as the Paris of the South. I don't mm-hmm, know if you remember mm-hmm. those days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the San Francisco of the South. Yeah, I've heard the, all those terms. Like, yeah. like, no one here who lives here now knows of the Paris of the South days because everyone's yeah. from, like, New York or, mm-hmm. you know, Florida or Portland these days. But, um, yeah, now we're, like, Beer City, USA. But I really see that as a positive because it's attracting more people and then we're we're getting some new energy here we're getting people that have uh, different kinds of resources and ideas and solutions so that we can come together and continue to evolve but I feel I feel that I feel like Asheville is going to be a bigger city and I also feel like you know there's a lot of history in Charlotte and there's um, a lot of ancestral work that needs to be done there to help clear some of that energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really insightful as Debbie and I have moved forward in our community there. That there, there, I believe what we've had there is we've had a volcano of Kundalini, for lack of a better term, and now the lava is seeping out. Mm. And there's people that are coming out, like Debbie and I, and Robbie Warren, who does shaman work, and um, name, we can name a, 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 I don't know why I even mentioned one name, there's tons of names, mm-hmm. but, and that lava is now, it is flowing, and that flow is going to get faster and faster, and I think it almost will be like a little bit of a vortex bridge between mm-hmm. us and Asheville, you know, and that mm-hmm. will continue, the energy will continue to start making more clear connection. Yeah. Um, I agree with you on that. Yeah. And I think we're going to see that more throughout the Southeast, too. Because yes. I, yeah. I have some women that travel from South Carolina to mm-hmm. my events. And I'm like, one was with me this past weekend, too. And I was like, you're not moving to Asheville, are you? And she was like, oh, no. And I was like, good. Because <laughs> yeah. the thing is, is we don't want we everyone to, to move yeah. here. Like, yeah. like we need to spread, spread this out. consciousness mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. spread our gifts. And mm-hmm. so... Um, I and I think it's important that we really start to light up the South in that way, mm-hmm. you know, because it, the, there's a thirst for it. I actually got chills when you said that mm-hmm. because I, it's like you, I can see the grid. Yeah, I yeah, can, no, me know? too. Mm-hmm. And Debbie and I've talked about it on our show before. I mean, we've been planted where we are for a reason mm-hmm. because that needs that right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we can come and make these connections. And so, okay, so. <laughs> Kundalini yoga could take five shows, <laughs> but unless let's let's just like kind of flow this into our questions about Dallas Stone medicine. medicine. Yeah. So, Debbie, what are you? What's on your mind? Well, I, I guess start us down that path. Tell us yeah. what it is and how you got involved with it. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's an ancient lineage of stone medicine that has been passed through. The Taoists. Um, my my teacher, who I study directly with, her name is Sarah Thomas, and she lives here in Asheville. And her teacher is Jeffrey Yuen, who lives in New York, and he's an 88th generation Taoist priest. So everything he has learned, it's an oral tradition. It's been passed down orally mm. through his lineage's family, and um, it's an ancient Chinese modality that we can go back to the roots of acupuncture and you will actually find them using stones before they used needles. Mm. And so we we learn the stone medicine 
as a means to do on the body treatments. I do treatments on people's body. Um, also I make elixirs and tonics and do things like grids, um, outside. Like I have a grid I just made actually earlier today in my yard. And, and like when I travel and do land clearing and land healing work, you can do that through stones. But basically when we look at the earth, you know, a lot of people these days are into herbalism and plant medicine. And if we go down to the roots of these plants, stone medicine is their foundation. You know, they grow in the stones. And so I've always been really drawn to stones. I don't, I mean, I can't even remember when I got my first stone, like a, a beautiful amethyst. I think I was like six or something, you know. It's just, it's been a part of my life. And when I was in my teens, really, that's when I consider like my conscious awakening starting was as a late adolescent. Um, stones were gifted to me by people who were really important on that journey yeah like I have this piece of um malachite here that um was given to me by um a man that my mom met when she was going through her Reiki mastery days learning Reiki and she met this man and Mm -hmm. he had had a whole past life memory of we were brother and sister and I didn't like really get to know him that much but he gave me this and it, it's it been always a part of my life and um, just such a significant thing and that's what's so beautiful about stones you can pass them down your family and they will outlive us mm-hmm. you know they are yeah. they work with time and space in such a different way than we do um, they also record information Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, I really love the stones so much. Um, and I really believe in them as a healing modality. And how I got into stone healing as a form of medicine was um, every year at the Southeast Wise Women's Herbal Conference. Um, I started going to that annually when I when I finally moved to Asheville in twenty. 12. Um, my mom moved here in 1999, so this has been a home for me for so long. Mm-hmm. And I was in college then, and I would come home and, you know, this was my home on mm-hmm. vacations. Um, and I lived here off and on and got married in Asheville. But finally, my family and I, we moved here in 2012. And so I made a commitment to go to the conference every year as a means of, like, my self-learning and self-development. And... The first year that I attended, I met my stone teacher and heard her talking, and I was so excited that there was a stone class, you know, because I had always, up until that point, stone medicine was really just seen as something as new agey, mm-hmm. and I grew up in the new age movement, so I'm not against it, but I also, as someone who is um, very much a student and really likes to learn things, like... I also appreciate something being beyond New Agey, you know. So it was cool to hear her speak and speak about this Taoist lineage. And um, 
Yeah, Jeffrey Yuan, I think I'm going to meet him later on this year. He's teaching in New Mexico, and I have plans to finally go sit with him and, and learn from him directly, and I'm really excited about that. But as I was saying, it's, a, it's an oral lineage, so they didn't write this information down, and it was kept, it was kept quiet. Like mm-hmm. You didn't share it outside of your family. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey's family requested that he not share this information, but he really saw that the world needed it now. And so it's been part of his dharma, part of his mission to share stone medicine. And he, he teaches mostly to acupuncture students. Um, but yeah, he has these different workshops that you know anyone can come attend. And he's pretty amazing. And that's one of the ways that I see that kundalini yoga and stone medicine really connect. Because Yogi Bhajan also... Um, there was a curse on kundalini yoga that you could not share these teachings outside. Mm-hmm. And Yogi Bhajan knew that they needed to be shared, that they needed that they were so necessary for the Aquarian age. And so he shared them. And um, there's a whole story around that and, and how the curse um, came upon him and how he was able to ward it away. But it's interesting, like they're both rebels. You know, yeah. it, but rebels in service to humanity. Yeah, it's kind of that radical love thing that yeah. you talk about, that following the heart and knowing, okay, the times have changed. Mm-hmm. There's a different need present. I think some of those mystery schools mm-hmm. now have to come out in the open because yeah. now everybody is ready to start receiving and needs to if we're going to make yeah. it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And, you know, I love, I'm fascinated by the stone conversation because I'm one of those people, you kind of hit hit on it a little bit, like, I've, I've always been in the new age thing, mm-hmm. but I do need something that goes down into mm-hmm. a sacred study that is beyond being trendy. Yeah, absolutely. So the stone thing, the herbal thing, the earth stuff, I've been kind of late to that game. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, it's not a game, it's a very real element of being connected to our world but I think I was late because I I had it in the new age box Mm -hmm. unfortunately yeah and it took me a long time to see like there's very real energetic benefits and impact and effects coming from these earth elements Mm -hmm. and some of that I've actually learned through my friendship with Debbie and some of it has just been opening the heart more Mm -hmm. opening the heart more to that understanding um, so I'm really fascinated by some of the things you said, like that, that the record that, that happens in stones and that the plants that we use a, as medicine have to first be rooted in earth that is on stone, yeah. in stone and on stone. Yeah. That's just big. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm going, oh man, you better start your seven-year-old on on the power of stones now. Yeah. Because for you to have this stone as a gift you've held on to your whole life, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's a stone. Yeah. That's pretty symbolic mm-hmm. and powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I mean, I've always been one, as, as, since a teenager, I can see myself packing to fly, and I've always had, like, my pouch of stones. Yeah. Like, they've always come with me, and mm-hmm. it's still like that, except for now they're bigger. <laughs> There's more of them. <laughs> they're scanning your luggage like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I got a bunch of rocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my carry-on is always really heavy. 
<laughs> so basically, the Dallas Stone Medicine is an oral tradition. You've been lucky enough to receive it, and you are you see it as very foundational and really the root of some of the elemental medicines. Mm-hmm. And you're using that literally on the bodies of your clients yeah. and within spaces and so forth. Absolutely. And also, the, that's the thing about the stones, the power of the stones is, um, one, they really love groups of people. They love DNA. They love group consciousness. And they love to work with women. So the reality is, is I mean, yeah, we've got tons of stones in this room with us. But we could have nothing and we could call forth exactly what we needed they're really that tuned in with us and I I it's through my deep work with the stones and I also believe a part of my kundalini practice my ability to meditate deeply that has helped me tune into the consciousness of the stones in a way that um they're they're profound and they want to assist us and like like there's, we have this whole family of stones called the barrels, which the well-known would be emerald, also aquamarine, and morganite is a, another well-known barrel. But these barrels are all about reprogramming consciousness. And so they're so beautiful for these times because so much of what needs to happen for us is that we're dropping the old par- uh, paradigms, the old mm-hmm. programs mm-hmm. that have just been passed down ancestrally so much of our belief systems aren't even us, you know, they were just given to us. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's another way that I see stones and Kundalini yoga really intersecting because they're both working to drop these old programs and they work differently, but the stones are like this being that help us and, mm-hmm. and the, the foundation of the cosmos is light and sound. And so we have sound current, and I see the stones as this ability to bring in the light mm-hmm. and the different colors. Because mm-hmm. that wavelength has been stopped or mm-hmm. slowed down enough that you can see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, so two things. I'm sad that for those who used to be like me that were like, it's a stone, it's an inanimate object, you know, <laughs> get over yourself. I'm sad for that because once you realize, no, actually there's like some major serious life force happening in this thing. Yeah. And and you have the power to be, in, you, you can be in relationship with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish more people, and maybe they will after hearing you speak, mm-hmm. be open to that. And also, I'd be at a stone workshop if you held one in a skinny minute. Yeah. So hopefully, well, you, there will be. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There okay. will be. Um, there will be opportunities for sure. Maybe. Maybe I can come out to Charlotte. Yes, that would be a lot of fun. We'd love to host you or hostess you. You know, it's interesting with the stones. I mean, our, our culture uses quartz. Yeah. To run timepieces. And computers. And computers and the cell phones. And it's it's in all of our stuff. Yes. But we don't, we, the euphemistic we, mm-hmm. societally, don't want to really understand what that is and why that is and accept that <laughs> there's a purpose in that stone that can also impact us physically. Well, and we also, we've been really... One of the programs I think we've been given is to be really afraid 
of minerals, mineral content, heavy metals. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've had people who, um, you know, I've, to- I've given them recipes for certain things they can make and, and they've had a partner who's like worried about a heavy metal exposure. But yet people will go to the drugstore and get whatever off the counter and, and just pop a pill not knowing. Or they'll buy something from a grocery store and, and not read the label. Um, so it's kind of interesting. You know, we don't know what's in our water. But we're so, it, it, it's like we've been given this program to really fear these stones. And yet we use them. We need them. We need them. They need us. It, I think it's really a reciprocal kind of relationship, and I think it's something that um, we're all awakening to. Mm-hmm. You know, and like for you, Kendall, I don't think that there should be any regrets for you or any of your listeners who might feel regretful. You know, because um, we've all arrived exactly when we need to, mm-hmm. and I think that. In my relationship with the stones, I've actually been able to come to peace with that more and more. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the whole arrival point and the mm-hmm. like everything is in its perfect timing. Mm-hmm. There's something inherent about time that they really teach us about. I love that. It's important mm-hmm. to remember because because it's one of those things where you, you can get yeah, you can you can you can get sad about it. Gosh, it yeah. took me a while. To, how, why did it take me a while to no get, judgy. get this Just thing? Just judgy about yourself judgy, or about your yeah. path and your journey, when in reality, it, it's exactly what it, what it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that when you talk about things like this coming into consciousness, it's like, and then you think about, well, this only makes sense. Why are we attracted to having huge slabs of marble in our kitchens? Yeah. Why, I mean, think about it. Why do we... Um, why do we feel instant relief when we head to the mountains mm-hmm. and we're by, we're around these huge stones essentially and million and, uh, and all their variations and mm-hmm. there's things that we do that we don't realize that it's almost like our energetic there's an energetic relationship happening where we're being called to yeah. something that is mm-hmm. saying hey you need me and I and I need you type of thing mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know totally you know um there's Just this, like the quartz, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and there's this book written by this guy um, called Minerals for the Genetic Code. It, it's a very geeky kind of book, um, so I wouldn't recommend just like anyone get it, but um, it's good for stone medicine geeks. And this guy talks about how every disease is just a deficiency in mineral content. Mm-hmm. So you can even look at like Alzheimer's or ADHD. You know, different kinds of cancers, they're just mineral deficiencies. Yeah. And stones are minerals. Yeah. And we'd just be way too empowered if we actually saw that. <laughs> of course they well, don't of course they don't want to talk about that. Yeah. I mean if, if you can figure out, okay, multiple sclerosis right. you know, is an overabundance or underabundance of say zinc yeah. or whatever oxide you know, well guess what? Like you're suddenly empowered to heal yourself and a bunch of people are out of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the, there's there's a saying within like from the Dallas that there's nothing more powerful than a woman with a stone. Oh, I love that. Mm. That's great. Yeah. So, just because I'm realizing that one show with you is not enough <laughs> and we still need to talk a, about a little bit about this astrology that folds in. Yeah. Um and then I'm like um, then I'm like, oh, but now I'm really bummed because I want three more hours of show with you because <laughs> you have such a history. I mean, you, we have another show that we could do with you about your, um, 
you're trained as a birth and postpartum doula and that you've seen over 25 babies come into the planet and um you know you have all these other things that are part of your journey but for this show let's close out with a, with a discussion about how you're folding astrology into your work and your relationship to that yeah um well it's such it's such a part of everything i do from whether when I go to host a workshop, I'm looking at what are the major astrological themes happening right now. Quite often when I'm talking in class before we open up the class with our um, practice, there's some tying into the astrological currents out there. And then when I'm making my stone medicine, it's always on a significant portal of some sort, whether it's a new moon or I have this one elixir I made that was when Venus was conjunct the sun earlier this year mm-hmm. and it was a really special um, energy that we're just not going to have like we had it mm-hmm. then so I wanted to capture that mm-hmm. so yeah I mean I see astrology as a cosmic language and as a way to understand these archetypal forces that flow through us And the more that we can understand those, the more that we can um, stop resisting and start allowing, you know, and just really be who we are and who Mm -hmm. we came here to be. Yeah. I mean, I really believe that our souls craft our chart. You know, there's no other, there's, there's no one out there other than it's us. Mm -hmm. And we choose the placement. We choose the people we choose all of it and we forget you know we forget when we're born like why did I choose this or or why is that person always doing this thing I mean well we signed up for it so to me astrology is a way to understand and to use it as a guidepost I don't use astrology as predictive and I don't use it in a doomsday sort of way I like to be very um liberating with it and and come to it from a place of curiosity and just wanting to know more. Um, but the deeper and deeper I go with it, 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 it's like all of the other modalities that I use. I just fall so much more in love and I'm just so appreciative to have it be a part of my life um, because it really helps. It gives a language that it helps to understand. And I mean, it's like the moon, the phases of the moon, you know, it, it waxes and it wanes. And when it's building, it's a good time to be building intentions. But when it's waning, it's not necessarily the best time to put something new out there. That's a good time to clean your closet. Or, you know, if it's Mercury retrograde, I don't believe in like totally <laughs> seizing life. But I also think it's important to just be aware and like, you know, maybe not buy a new house when it's mercury retrograde or don't get married when it's mercury retrograde um but like anything you want to repeat or redo it's a good time to do it so i like to look at astrology in that way and um i know we had kind of touched a little bit on this retreat that i'm hosting this summer and to me this whole retreat has been built in this major astrological portal that we're about to go through. We're in, in August. We have this eclipse season. We've got this um, full moon lunar eclipse in Aquarius. The sun will be in Leo. 
our first Leo new moon is actually in July. I think it's July 23rd. It's a Sunday. And then we have a second Leo new moon, which will be August 21st, and it will be a total solar eclipse. So in that window of August 7th through 22nd, we're going to be in England mm. doing this work mm. with stones and the land and the ley lines. And um, none of that was by mistake. I mean, I really carefully crafted that um, portal when I saw that the eclipses were earlier this year. Usually they're in September, that fall eclipse, but it's in August this year. And um, we, we've just had these, these nodes... The collective North Node is now in Leo. And so what the collective is being asked of is to really step forward as creative leaders in the world. And it's something that um, can be challenging for people. I think a lot of us are afraid to shine and we're waiting for someone to tell us that we have permission or that we're ready, we have the skills. But really our planet is at this place where we all need to be shining, even if we're not totally confident or we don't totally mm-hmm. know what we're doing. And so we're, we're going through that in a collective way right mm-hmm. now. And that's one of the reasons why this eclipse portal is so important because it's really like, it's another opportunity to really leap forward. Okay. So gateway. <laughs> gateway. Are you making notes? <laughs> gateway, <days>? yes. <laughs> So do you like get your farmer's almanac every year and like, like okay, where do you, where do you map this out? Yeah, I, ha- I actually, I have a calendar someone gave me with like, it's got like an ephemeris. I was going to say, isn't that what an ephemeris is? Yeah, a, yeah, but you know, I honestly, because everything is digital these days, I, I utilize yeah. mine online. Mm-hmm. I don't, at this time I don't have fancy uh, astrology software, but it's something that, um, I would I have an intention to save up for a certain program so that because there's some really good programs out there now that can kind of run things for you. Yeah, I'd be interested. What's like one resource if somebody wants to follow online? What's a resource? Well, it depends on where they are. If they want to just like cast a chart or look up people's charts, I like astro.com, a s t r o.com. It's a free website, and you just have to sign up, and, like, you can cast as many charts, I think, as you want. I, I have, like, over 100 of charts in there, so you can cast quite a few. And it, once you understand the tech aspect of it, there's so much you can do. Like, you can do progress charts. You can add in... I, I like to work a lot with asteroid goddesses and, and, like, these alien patterns. So I do more kind of, like, obscure astrology, too, and, and you can actually find all the asteroid goddesses through this way so I like astro.com but as far as like astrologers that I like I um there's 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 a couple that I really love and um one is divine harmony I really love her she's very deep um she's into transpersonal psychology and she's mm-hmm. one of my astrology mentors um and she's also way into the asteroid goddesses but it's like if you click on her website, you have to read through paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs. So it's not for it's not pedestrian friendly, like mm-hmm. for someone who doesn't know much. Mm-hmm. But I also like Chani Nichols Nichols a lot. She's really great. And I feel like she's 
kind of like the new she's like the Aquarian age pop astrologer yeah. and I'm really glad she's doing it because she's doing a good job and um, she's got really solid values and so I really appreciate her mm-hmm. her take on astrology you trust what she's talking about oh absolutely she knows what she's talking she about. knows what she's talking about I really love sure. that you talk about uh, the teachers now having really solid values because Anybody can pop up a tent or put a a sign out the front door saying, I'm an expert about this. But people who really want to be in service are going to really study well and give that information out. I mean, I see astrology as a map in the way of, of, well, how do I put it? It's not a map to this will happen, that will happen, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like it's sort of a map of like, this is who I am as a person, mm-hmm. and this is how I might react during these times or in these ways. This is this is how I might show up in a shadow way mm-hmm. during this time of year in response to what's happening cos- cosmically. And here's how I might show up at my highest self. And you know, we have all these personality tests. I talked about that last Sunday. Mm-hmm. We have the Myers Briggs mm-hmm. personality test. We have the Enneagram. We have and put astrology up against that stuff. And it is as powerful of a tool of knowing self. Oh yeah, as all that other stuff. Yeah, and and far more ancient. Oh yeah, far and more you can, ancient. A, a master astrologer can see your whole lineage in your chart. Isn't that just stunning? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it can, it can really read quite a bit, but I think one has to be careful in those realms. Mm-hmm. You know. Like, that's why I don't like predictive astrology or, like, right. like to tell people really when to do things. I think it's good to look at prime windows. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of tying all this up, because um, what, I, what I'm gathering from, from all this is that you sort of have a Rama card technology going. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I love that. <laughs> And that technology does seem to point to exactly what we talked about before, self, self-care, radical self-acceptance, self-knowing. Um, th- there's a very loving component to all this. Like, let me take care of myself and know myself and know the tools that are available to me and get myself open and to receive all this. Is that how you experience your work? I mean, is this a mission of yours? Yeah, I would say that for sure. And I would say definitely an, another added component is about just like really falling in love with the earth too, mm-hmm. which is why I um, named the retreat to Glastonbury Falling in Love with Gaia mm-hmm. because it's like in the service to self, love and self-knowledge and compassion the more we can show up in that way then the more we can show up to serve the planet and to me serving the planet there's so many layers to it but it's really about like being able to give thanks and gratitude for living here on this planet during these times you know I think there's a lot of people out there who feel agitated and afraid and overwhelmed and kind of not sure why they're here right now Mm -hmm. Um, 
And the reasons can be very complex and layered, but they're also really simple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if you put in a few um, carefully crafted solutions and mm-hmm. really apply them to your life, that whole clarity of mind starts to come in. Mm-hmm. And then when we are at a space where we have more clarity of mind, we can really give more gratitude. And the more we're able to do that, the more we're able to appreciate and love our lives and in turn love the earth, which, you know, she really needs that love from us right now. Mm-hmm. Well, loving the earth is is inclusive of loving ourselves and loving each other. Because yeah. all that energy feeds the earth and Absolutely. loving the earth directly as well. Yeah, yeah. it's it, mm-hmm. it's just a cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't have one without the other. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I'm going to really enjoy listening to that whole last couple sentences you just said because that really tied it together. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, and, it, and it also speaks to that you don't have to, you don't have to reach for everything. Mm-hmm. You need to find a, a system, a technology, a group of resources that are simple that you can mm-hmm. work with those mm-hmm. and really work, like work with them. Yeah. Um, I think I just want to say real quick, yeah. I think that what's exciting about these times right now mm-hmm. is is the awakening of all the kind of people like you like Rama and like what Kendall and I are doing and all all of us stepping in mm-hmm. and bringing forth the tools that we have experienced and whether it's crafting them and changing them and modify them or, or unifying them with other tools but bringing those out so that so that the people who are struggling they can see that um, there are lots of tools available to them and that they aren't in the closets anymore and that they are valuable and you can talk about them publicly and that you can pick your own tools. It's like you build your own tool belt or you Mm -hmm. know your toolbox you know you have to build your own temple. So you know a hammer is going to work for some things a saw is going to work for others you know and tape measures for others and so you have to pick your own tools and art a painter is going to pick their own tools your own paintbrushes mm-hmm. your own kinds mm-hmm. of paints your own mm-hmm. pencils your own crayons whatever it is you have to pick your own tools yeah yeah so having all these teachers that are kind of specializing down into like their true path and then Another one over here is a little bit different or a lot different. And then we're having these collaborative conversations. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing? Tell us. We're going to share it with all these listeners. Mm -hmm. You know, because what you're doing is unique because you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And essential, right? Like, we're called to this, I think. Mm -hmm. I see the emotion about this. This is... That's a big one for me. It is a big one for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think so many people are, mm-hmm. they are afraid, they're stressed, they're angry, they're, I don't know why I'm here, or I just don't want, I know enough that I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the addictive patterns. Yeah. Right? Uh, all the masking of all the pain, whatever, through whatever addictive pattern it is. And th- that complete shutdown. And the overwhelm and, well, okay, so yeah, I could get help, but I don't, where do I start? It's, a, it's very overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. And, and giving them permission that says, listen, you know, start somewhere. Start somewhere. Yeah, just, try try yeah, this. Yeah. And then try that and see what it feels like to you. You don't need the government or somebody, somebody else this. telling you this is what you need and that's it and nothing else. And don't look anywhere outside that box mm-hmm. because you're going to get hurt. Yeah. 
And that's what that whole Leo North collective North node is about. Like no mm-hmm. one's going to tell us to step into our power. Mm-hmm. It's time for us to do it. And I feel like so many people, when I look at the mass consciousness, have been, we've given up our power and we've mm-hmm. allowed ourselves to be controlled. And there is a lot Sheep. of fear mm-hmm. and grief. And, you know, there's even a lot of people out there that struggle with being alive Mm -hmm. on the planet. Mm -hmm. And I will say that whatever powers that be, you know, they feed off of that. Mm -hmm. So one of the most sovereign things we can do is to empower ourselves in our lives and be happy. And, you know, that's a journey. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you're happy every single day. It's a journey of ups and downs. Mm -hmm. It's a shift in perspective, and it's a choice. Yeah. All of this boils down to choice, which is our our sovereign right, our sovereign gift. Yeah. It's choice. Which is part of being human. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I just want to say, I want to let people know how they can, again, how they can find you. So you, um, at ramakar.com, which is Mm -hmm. R-A-M-A-K-A-U-R.com. Um, I love how you say midwifing your conscious evolution <laughs> as a tagline because I think that's so obvious. Um, and you kind of have this Rama tribe that's forming around your work. So um, you do private mentorship, you do workshops, you do classes, uh, the women's lunar gatherings, mm-hmm. um, ceremony, and these gorgeous handcrafted elixirs that are on the shelf that I feel like I can't leave without something and then you are at West Asheville yoga for now on Sundays yeah just West Asheville on Sundays okay and Wednesdays okay but I might be adding more classes in the fall we'll see okay all right and then your um the divine feminine pilgrimage to the heart of the earth um that, that you're doing in Glastonbury August 7th through the 22nd you have some spaces available. Yeah, there's a few spaces available, and it's going to be epic. Like, seriously epic. I'm not just saying it because I crafted <laughs> the retreat, but, like, it is just so divinely guided, and I don't use those words lightly. Like, I don't throw away, throw around, like, New Age jargon. You know what I mean? It's something that I have, like, a radar kind of, like, I, I steer in the other direction of that, but... It, it really has been so divinely guided and the women who are coming thus far are really deep and they're at many different kinds of places in their lives but they're ready to show up and like do deep transformational work and that's what we're going to do we're going to do a lot of like going to these power portals in the heart of the earth Glastonbury is seen as the heart chakra of the planet And um, it's the place that is also known as Avalon or Isle of Apples. And um, it's just so sacred. But basically, we're talking about divine feminine uh, mega portal. And um, there's no place on the planet like it. The first time I went in 2003, I just knew that I had found my soul's home. Mm -hmm. And so... I've been a number of times, and this will be the first time I'm leading a retreat there, and it's like a dream come true. I mean, literally, a dream come true. But we're gonna, one of the things we're gonna do is we'll have a two hour private ceremony at Stonehenge. 
I rented Stonehenge. My friend and I were talking about it. She was like, "You rented." She was like, "I can't believe you rented Stonehenge for two hours. Like that's just amazing." Yeah, that's kind of. Yeah, there's some badass thing to that. Yeah, it's pretty badass if I do say. I mean, it goes on the resume. I've rented Stonehenge. (laughs) And like, yeah, we're gonna go to lots of really sacred places, and we'll be working with the stones that are on the land and bringing our own stones, and I'm bringing a gong, not this gong, but I'm getting a smaller gong, and we'll we'll do lots of sound healing and meditation, and we're going to eat really good food. We have organic food that will be prepared for us by the chef where we're staying, so we're, like, well cared for. Beautiful. Um, I, I mean, I could hop on that plane. I know, it sounds fabulous. Wow. I think it? you should. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sitting here like, uh, we can barely, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we got a center to open, but we've said, okay, get the center going, and then next year we'll start talking about yeah. travel, mm-hmm. but, um, but we want to have you at Lighthouse Spiritual Center in Mooresville. We opened July 1, um. That's LighthouseSpiritualCenter.com, which is the mature project. It is the mature development evolution of the Spiritual Charlotte Love Cast. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that connection. But your trip, you know, that you're taking to Glastonbury, Kundalini Yoga, meditation, sound medicine, which is gorgeous. We had that today, I feel. Um, ceremony, storytelling, ancestral healing, visionary art sacred crafts and so we're just going to beg you to distill down some amazing workshops and come yeah hang out with us mm-hmm. in Lake Norman mm-hmm. I would love to do I, that okay I would be honored and yeah. congratulations on thank you your your project and I know it's not fully opened you know but yeah. that's like birthing a big baby it is birthing so, a big baby yeah that yeah, baby's due in two weeks yeah. <laughs> yeah and you're both looking so beautiful like oh, right at the end of you know carrying class, the baby your class helped today a lot <laughs> yeah yeah well um thank you so much for coming on the show um ramakar.com falling in love with gaia.com in relationship to the retreat and we're just going to find more ways to work with you and maybe do another show. And thank you for letting us in your lovely living altar space. Yeah, yeah my pleasure. It's a beautiful sitting here with you. Yeah, yeah. It's so special for you two to be with me here as well. It's great. And then, you know, maybe we'll be hanging out with you for the next couple of days mm-hmm. in Asheville. So we'll see that we'll do that as well. Yeah. But um, I guess we'll close out the show. So, Debbie, um, do we know what we're doing next Wednesday? We don't, but I'm sitting here wishing we had the Rob Bell because I've just had a little ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I, had tw- I had 12 dings during, oh, she has a bell. Is she pointing to a bell? <laughs> yeah, we normally have our Rob Bell. Um, Is that the, like... It's literally like a service bell. It's like a teacher bell. It's like the teacher bell. <laughs> yeah. Do you need to ding something? Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> Look, she is going to take care of I'm ready. the sound department. Ready. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't know who's coming on um, next Wednesday yet because we're just trying trying to do what we're trying to do right now. But um, yeah. but thank you for tuning in to Spiritual Charlotte. You can visit us at spiritualcharlotte.com and Rama big huge love to you yeah thank you you. we look forward to you coming and seeing us next time yeah i look forward to meeting your community yeah great